there's continuous delivery, there's continuous testing, there's continuous integration. Why not have continuous validation where continuously you are testing every change made as it is made, not after the fact, right? The challenge we see today, and in fact, it's a big, big impediment is where, you know, there'll be you know, that the development teams are doing two-week sprints, you get a continuous delivery, you're doing all that stuff, you're doing continuous integration, you're doing continuous testing, you've introduced automation, but security is a thing which happens at the end. Just before release, you know, the security guys show up mm-hmm. and they want to do some massive testing and slows everything down. Why not in- include security as a first-class citizen, as you said, DevSecOps, into your sprints? So that in, within every sprint, when you test what changes you made in the sprint, you also validated security. Welcome to OWASP 24-7, sponsored by the Open Web Application Security Project, improving the security of software. With support from Sonatype Nexus, providing automation and scale to open source component security. Additional support provided by CatScan from Proactive Risk. Sure, my name is Sanjeev Sharma. I work for IBM. I'm IBM's uh, CTO for DevOps, uh, Technical Sales and Adoption, and I'm a distinguished engineer at IBM. And we're in Stockholm right now. You just did the keynote. Amazing turnout, right? Yes, packed. I wasn't expecting such a big crowd in Stockholm. I've never been here before. And I know this is the first time you're doing a CD summit here also, so it uh, worked out really well. What was your topic at the keynote? So my topic, I I actually called it uh, unicorns on an aircraft carrier. So I'm talking about how to scale innovation, leveraging DevOps and agile practices to scale innovation in a large enterprise. So, you know, how you can foster unicorns within, uh, you know, your your enterprise, which behaves more like an aircraft carrier. You know, it's slow and not very agile. But uh, how do you get to that state where you can scale it? Right. A lot of the literature that we're seeing, a lot of stuff that's coming out is for small organizations on how to do DevOps. You and Gary Gruber are talking large scale, how to implement that way. Well, those are the customers I work with, right? Mm-hmm. Being IBM for the last uh, four years that I've been focused on DevOps, most of my time has been spent with large companies, right, and helping them scale DevOps, helping them, helping them translate how what DevOps's definition is for a two pizza-sized company mm-hmm. to you know a two uh, you know a, a hundred thousand pizza-sized company, so to speak. You still have to start small even within these large companies. You can't take a massive two thousand engineer project and say you'll suddenly be DevOps. It, it has to be scaled up. So that's what I've been working with primarily on. And uh, uh, there's a lot of good lessons learned. You know, some, mm-hmm. some, some have failed, some have succeeded. So there are some patterns of success which, which we've been harvesting. Do you work with Dibby at all, Dibby Edwards? Absolutely. In fact, Dibby and I do a lot of presentations together, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for, for clients again. Uh, and, you know, we trade a lot of sto- stories because she sees it uh, sometimes she's seeing the same things from the customer, sometimes I see. But we come at, and also she has a lot of experience about doing DevOps within IBM, right? As she leads this large development team. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was, you know, very, uh, you know, instrumental in introducing Agile first and then some of the DevOps practices into her teams. So she has, has a lot of lessons learned. So when we go to our presentations together, she'll talk about her journey, and I'll talk about the journeys of the customers I worked with. 
I talked with her a couple times. We had breakfast in San Francisco. Um, I talked to her in New Jersey when she was showing the stats from the work mm -hmm. you guys are doing at IBM. It's phenomenal what's happening. Yes. Uh, you know, I think uh, we are truly this time an example of a company which is drinking our own champagne mm -hmm. in the sense that we are not telling other people to do things which we don't do ourselves. Now, some, some translation has to be done, right? Some modification has to be done because we are a product company. So we everything we we deliver, there are some internal systems, right, within IBM. But almost everything we deliver is, you know, either server-based software, which our customers consume, or a SaaS offering, which our customers consume. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're, and they're consuming it, not to consume it, but they're consuming it in most cases to build something else, right? Because we provide the tooling for customers to build something else with, whether it's middleware or development tools. Whereas if you're an insurance company, the product you deliver is being used by customers as is, mm -hmm. right? Unless you are providing some kind mm -hmm. of APIs for business partners to make products, uh, you know, applications on top of, in most cases. So there's, there's, there's a, there is a difference. So I've been spending a lot of time, you know, trying to help companies understand, you know, yes, this is IBM's journey uh, and this is what we achieved. You know, is there a nuance of how it would work for you? Uh, also, so everybody's starting point is different, more importantly. Mm -hmm. I flew from, uh, you know, London to Stockholm yesterday, right? So if, if somebody asked me, how long does it take you to get from London to Stockholm? Well, I know the flight time. So that's, I could look it up on my itinerary. But I didn't know how long it'll take me in the traffic of London or how long it'll take me in the traffic of Stockholm. So the starting point and the end point and the journey one has to take depends up, it varies from customer to customer. Unfortunately, you cannot give, there's no cookie-cutter cookie approach there. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Yeah. What common patterns, I saw in the keynote you were talking about common patterns that you're starting to see at enterprise level. What are you seeing? So one of the, there's this whole debate going on between bimodal IT and multi-speed IT and so on and so forth. What I'm seeing is that, I, in my opinion, is we sh customers do need to, Categorize. You can't have one standard. You can't have one size fits all for every kind of project within the custom within a, within an organization, a large one especially. So you have to start classifying your projects based on risk and based on the need for speed. When you talk about risk, are you talking about security risk or risk to the business? Both. Security is just one aspect of risk, right? So it could be compliance risk, it could be security risk, it could be risk to your, your ability to exist as a business, mm -hmm. right? It could be risk associated with what happens if you fail, right? Mm -hmm. And what happens if, if there's an outage? Those are all variants of risk. If something is very high risk, you cannot use some of these lean startup style methods of doing experimentation. Yeah. Whereas if something is low risk, and you're just trying to experiment with new business models or new technologies, you can. The analogy I gave inside is if I'm building a social media application, let's say, and you know I tweet something out and you retweet it and there's a hiccup and it gets retweeted twice, big deal. But if you're transferring money to each other and there's a hiccup and money gets transferred twice, well, depending on how well you know the other person, you might be in a, in a, in a pickle, right? So the risk profile determines what kind of practices you use. So the business intent and it's the risk associated with it is what should determine whether certain practices are applicable to your DevOps adoption or not. Uh, it should not be speed. My issue with all these bi-speed approaches is, or multi-speed approaches is that 
They're taking speed as the only criteria, whereas I believe business intent and risk is what should be the criteria. When you're looking at this, Sanjeev, the concern that I have as a practitioner here is the security that's built into all of these initiatives. How are you guys dealing with that? Absolute, very important question, and it comes up over and over again. So I wrote a paper on it. It's on the IBM Developer Works website along with some of my colleagues. Name of the paper? Uh, it's called Security Considerations for DevOps. So if you Google that, you can find it. Uh, or there's a link in my, uh, you know, uh, in my blog also, which is sdarchitect.wordpress.com. Okay. Essentially, what we said in that paper is that you have to look at security from three aspects. Number one is the traditional security, which is securing your perimeter. Okay. So let, let's take a factory analogy, right? If I have a factory which is highly automated, I'll be doing three levels of security. Number one, I'm securing the perimeter, right? I'm going to put fences and cameras around my, around my mm-hmm. and metal detectors and put higher security guards to secure my perimeter so things unwanted things don't come in and unwanted things don't go out, right? So same way we'll secure, you secure your data center, you secure your development environments. To me, that's out of scope of the discussion because people know how to do that. Mm-hmm. That's no different whether they're doing DevOps or anything. That's right. Right? Physical security. Physical security, yeah. right? Or penetration security, whatever, mm-hmm. you, you know, traditional security. Yeah. The second level of security is you're securing what you are building. So in the case of a factory analogy, if I'm building cars, I'm securing my car. Right? I'm putting the right security protocols inside my product to secure it. So once my car is in the market... It doesn't get stolen. Nobody breaks into right. it. So we're talking about software supply chain management. We are talking about securing the product. Yes. The third area, which really applies to DevOps, is securing the delivery pipeline, yeah. in which, in a factory analogy, would be securing the assembly line, securing the how people access it, and securing the automation, so that malicious intent or carelessness does not result in a security breach of the assembly line. As you add more and more automation into DevOps, you have to start securing that automation. I got handed an automation script, a printout of an automation script at a bank by an employee of the bank who wanted to know how we could do that automation in our tool, Urban Code Deploy. And it's like multiple pages, you know, a set of bash scripts and chef scripts and whatnot. And I'm leafing through it and I see a password, not even encrypted. How the heck did that pass? You know, all their checks. Why? Because they had no, there's no security checking of scripts in most cases. Nobody goes mm-hmm. and checks scripts. You check code. You do some level of checking of scripts. But here is a plain English text password written there. And that employee of a bank handed it to a non-employee. That's not the first time I've heard of that either. Yes. Right. It happens all the time. Passwords are put on sticky notes, on the monitor. And all, you know, that, that people are, are good with, of, you know, taking care of that. But today we have these all this scripting done and there's all kind of security breaches in those scripts, but there's no good tooling, no good policies on how to secure that. That's just one example. But at the end of the day, you have to secure your delivery pipeline to sec- so that the delivery pipeline does not result by leaving you know, uh, vulnerabilities which can use the delivery pipeline to insert something into your product or it does not disrupt the delivery pipeline itself. In the factories, they're all scared about, right, a disgruntled employee throwing a brick into, the, into your conveyor belt, right? Well, there's the analogy here also. Can somebody put a brick in your, in your you know, automation script? 
and and disrupt it can somebody mess it up so that you know after they leave uh, you know your your automation doesn't work anymore or things are being deployed to the wrong servers or the right version is not being deployed intentionally or unintentionally it doesn't have to be malicious intent right so i think that new area of securing the delivery pipeline is the next area which enterprises need to focus on and right now i see a lot of a lack of focus on that so that is to me uh, you know what what I'm, i talk to people about mostly when they ask about security in the context of devops a lot of people when you're talking about devops they are talking about security they're talking about automation speed of delivery mean time to repair all the basics but to me security needs to be integral into that whole absolutely process. i couldn't couldn't agree more and uh, if they are not doing it there's something wrong right and we talked about this yesterday about this term which you know we uh, i like to call it continuous validation right which is there's continuous delivery there's continuous testing there's continuous integration why not have continuous validation where continuously you are testing every change made as it is made not after the fact right the challenge we see today and in fact it's a bit big impediment is where you know there'll be you know, that the development teams are doing two week sprints you get to continuous delivery you're doing all that stuff you're doing continuous integration you're doing continuous testing you introduced automation but security is a thing which happens at the end just before release you know the security guys show up mm-hmm. and they want to do some massive testing and slows everything down why not in- include security as a first class citizen as you said devsecops into your sprints so in within every sprint when you test what changes you made in the sprint you also validated security and compliance right it's not just security i think compliance has to go hand in hand with it so you know the term i i i'm i'm trying to use is continuous validation and it reduces risk why not catch it the moment it happens yeah, we're in 100% agreement on that it's still it seems to me that it's almost a dinosaur to be throwing code over the wall for ops to deploy and then secure it just i don't know how people are still doing that and still alive right and you know we at ibm have this uh, secure engineering framework i'm sure you you've mm-hmm. heard about it read about it there've been red books written on it and you know uh, there's an entire framework available and that framework talks about what you need to secure and one of the things we talk about a lot in that is is securing as the code is written not after the fact it doesn't make sense right putting putting practices and policies and even automation in place to to do security testing by the developers right and we have tools at IBM you know which allow you to do that that you can in your as developers write code they can do analysis of the code to determine if there's any kind of security vulnerabilities obvious ones being being thrown in once they've done a build they can you can run black box security testing so both white box and black box security testing done at the developer level at the practitioner level not by some security smes who do it after the fact you have to do it as you go not afterwards one of the scary statistics for me that i've seen in the last week is that we talk about devops i mean you and i live in the devops environment that's what we talk about all day long but we're outliers still that not even 1% of the companies that we're trying to reach are actually implementing everybody's talking about it but only 1% of the companies are implementing i think everybody is doing devops but they're doing it in small you know two pizza size teams which is more like i had a picture in my talk about a uh, 
about a pet dinosaur, right? A toy dinosaur. Right? Mm-hmm. I said, you know, they're treating these DevOps projects more like more like toys, more like pets, right? If somebody's mm-hmm. pet project, they're still trying to figure out, and unless they figure out how to scale it across the enterprise, they're not going to get the value, right? It's good that they're doing something, right? At least maybe for their mobile projects or their web projects or their dot com initiatives or some small initiative they're using some of these practices they're experimenting with new technologies but eventually you're right i mean eventually it's not happening at scale yet there are very few companies where it is and those are you know the the some of them are pretty large enterprises like at ibm right we have 20000 more than 20000 developers on our devops platform mm-hmm. using devops practices that's fairly big and they're distributed you know and then there are some other examples you know uh, who who, who are, you know, who come and speak at events like these, uh, you know, the nationwides of the world or the capital ones of the world, uh, you know, who are who are very successful at scaling scaling DevOps. But you're right, they're few and far apart, and there's, there's still a long journey for several of these companies. I was talking to uh, James Meikle from Harvard last week. We had dinner, and one of the things he said was 70% of the people that are now working in IT are going to be moved out because they're not going to be able to make the transition? Uh, well, obviously, uh, hopefully he has some good research mm-hmm. for that number. I'm sure he does, uh, but uh, uh, it does not surprise me. And the, the interesting thing for me is, through another discussion, we heard that DevOps to a lot of people means no ops. And that, that's not what we're talking about. That is absolutely not what we are talking about. We are talking about better ops or new ops, as you said the other mm-hmm. day, right? Where we are, the, the role of ops has to change. The role of ops has to be changed from, you know, the, the a group of people who are manually, you know, getting a rack uh, of servers, you know, building it up and then, inst- you know, putting in the cables and, you know, uh, and then writing, you know, a, a, and then running a bunch of scripts to to maintain that server and what's running on it. Of course, you know, all that has been replaced by virtualization, so I'm exaggerating a little bit. But to go to a stage where, to a level where they become service providers, right, where they're providing a service of different IT services, which eventually will be cloud-based, should be cloud-based services uh, to the to the practitioners, to the developers, the testers, and other professionals uh, in the team, and they become a service provider. They are not the guys who are turning the servers on and off, but they are the ones who are maintaining the self-service portal. Uh, I think that's yeah. key, right? The idea is that you just have to find a way to transition into managing the platform. Exactly. And, you know, the term is shift left, right? You're shifting left operational concerns and ab- raising the abstraction of the role of the ops person, right, from being the grunt to the person doing the management. And that transition has to happen. And that is, I think, the, the core of DevOps. So it's not really no ops, it's shift left ops is a better description of it. What do you want to leave people with? We're talking to a security audience here. What's your final message to a security audience? Well, the final message to the security audience is that, you know, uh, you need to be a first-class citizen and a loud, vocal, noisy voice in the DevOps community to make sure people look at DevOps as a DevSecOps. And I tell people that DevOps is the most badly termed, named movement we've ever had in IT. And we've had some badly named ones. It should really be startups, right? Everybody is responsible for getting stuff to production, to ops, because they're the ones who are going to run it. And uh, security is, is a first-class citizen of that and a core contributor. And if your organization where you work, they are not including security into your, the delivery pipeline and establishing what I'm calling uh, 
you know, continuous validation, uh, you need to be a loud voice of reason there and make sure uh, you are. And the DevOps movement is, is going to raise the need for automation in the security space in order for security to remain viable and not be seen as an impediment to continuous delivery. It just all, to me, it all goes back to Goldratt. Yep. It's, uh, you almost used the terms there to he, that he went through in the goal, and that backs up into Deming even. So there's a complete line that people can follow to get to this point. Absolutely. You know, Deming's PDCA, right? Right. There's nothing. If you go look at the IBM garage method, you'll see that we have just you know added some new terms to Deming cycle and created the same cycle and put culture in the middle, right? That's really... Uh, what you know the DevOps method is all about. So it's uh, it's uh, it's which is good, right? I'm of the of the ilk. Uh, I'm like uh, I don't know if you heard of Nassim Nicholas Taleb, right? He says he doesn't drink any beverages that haven't been around for a thousand years, because he doesn't trust them. So he only drinks wine. You know, I'm I like that the fact that DevOps is based on lean principles which have been around since the 30s right, the 1930s, right? Mm-hmm. We are not talking about something which got invented five years ago and we are not sure whether it will work. Uh, the Phoenix Project is a great book, but it's even better that it's based on the goal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because that was based on, you know, Deming's work and, and you know, other uh, works of other people uh, before them. Uh, so this is, the lean, lean is not new. When I talk to executives at large companies, when I show them how DevOps practices map back to lean, actually, they, they feel more comfortable with it because mm. they're already talking lean at an enterprise, corporate, business level. And when they see that DevOps is just lean applied to IT, they go, oh, why would we not do that? So I think uh, that makes a lot of sense. You have been listening to OWASP 24-7 with your host, Mark Miller, and music provided by the George Cole Quintet. With support from Sonatype Nexus, providing automation and scale to open source component security. Additional support provided by CatScan from Proactive Risk. Mm-hmm.